Are sinners the image of God? I think this is a very important question that doesn't get discussed quite enough, but I take advantage every time I get to discuss this subject. Every time a hate crime rises in the media, there is a post that's shared that this specific community that was hit, that was targeted, this specific community that has lost lives this past week, month, whenever it's actually announced, these people are made in the image of God. If it's rec- if a death in the black community is recognized as a hate crime, the cause of a hate crime, black people are made in the image of God. You'll see that. Besides Black Lives Matter, because that's that's the biggest thing to, to say, we're made in the image of God. So, well, that's that's kind of a gray area because a black person, just a person, a human could be in Christ or not in Christ. So that doesn't necessarily determine their the color of the skin. Their color doesn't determine whether they're in Christ or not. So you're in a gray area. It can go both ways. Asian community is made in the image of God. That can go both ways. The most recent hate crime that has come up has to do with the alphabet community, the LGBT plus community. And the I say alphabet, there's just so many letters and they keep going. I'm just, wow, it's, there are a lot of letters. And I'm a little side note, I'm, I'm kind of convinced that they're going to go through the whole alphabet before this is over. So to sum up, the alphabet community, they lost somebody. Unfortunately, a lot of that alphabet has to do with sexual immorality. In fact, every one of that, every one of them has to do with some kind of sexual immorality. Even if it's just hinting at it. And I can give an example for each and every letter, but that's not the point of this message. Right now, talking about the image of God. I'm your host, by the way, Maddie Rivers. I want to thank you for listening in to the image of God and how that applies. The alphabet community specifically is identified according to their sin. So you're saying is so essentially what you're saying is sinners are identified are the image of God. Every sinner is made in the image of God. And I think, wait, how? My very first thought on this, you want to, you don't even talk about human beings, but it's going to come back to sinners. You want to talk about human beings made in the image of God. My question is how? Are you talking about the physical? Our physical is riddled with flaws. God is flawless. You're talking about the attitude. We don't have the attitude of God. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Not our mind and not our hearts, not our body, not our spiritual. Our spiritual is dead. You are dead in your transgressions. How? Where is this coming from? And the very first thing that I see is that you're kind of made to feel good about this community. And I've actually heard the the whole phrase, somebody is attacking the phrase, hate the sin, love the sinner. This is proof that hate the sin, love the sinner takes lives said lies lives it takes lives no it doesn't because misinterpreting it may take life but the actual phrase what that means is to love the human preserve the human and separate yourself as you invite the person to separate themselves from the sin from that which causes them harm you hate that which causes a human harm and that's our sin But we're born into this sin. We're born dead 
Now, one time do you see somebody that has earned the, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have. Adam sinned and his sons were born in his likeness. Now, if Adam is a sinner, it doesn't say the likeness of the garden. It doesn't say the image of God. The original creation of Adam is his Adam's likeness. This is sin. And since then, so forth, we are all condemned. It's important to identify that sin doesn't look like God. So one of the biggest messages that I hear, especially with this phrase, 100% of the alphabet community is made in the image of God. What? Okay, now if you're talking about physical, if you're talking about you know the first birth, how? Because you're a sinner. That's like comparing a corpse to a live person. Well, uh, two hands, two feet, a head. Yeah, they're just like a living person. Yeah, but you're missing the key element. Life! Someone who is not deceased has life. And the body that is deceased has no life. That body can't do anything but fall apart. Was decomposed. God designed a, has this beautiful design where we return back to the earth. There's a difference there. And probably what I should have led with from the very beginning, let me make it clear that a human life is a tragedy. That is a heartbreak, regardless if it's a hate crime or not. A hate crime is also a heartbreak because a human life was lost by way of sin. And that's, that's heartbreaking. It doesn't matter what human life you're talking about. If you're talking about a child, that child never got to grow up. That's something to be mourned. If you're talking about a bad guy. That bad guy never got to repent, never got to, re you know, see redemption. That's something to be mourned. If you're talking about a good person that has lived a long life, finally gets to lay to peace, lay at rest. That's something to be mourned too. Why? Because our journey has ended. Or maybe you recognize uh, like a celebrity that was a really good person or whatever. Never got to meet this person. Well, I never got to have a journey with this person. I missed my shot. That's, that's sad. More so that human lives were lost that day. If this was in fact a hate crime, I don't have all the details and I'm not confident that all the details are being shared about this story. I think a little digging and investigating has to be done or is being done and new th something new is being revealed every other week. But that's something to be lost. If there's a hate crime against the alphabet community and if members of the alphabet community has actually died, well, that's a human life lost. Regardless of who you are, what you have done, what you look like, you're part of the human race and that is a tragedy. Love the sinner. The only way to love the sinner is to invite that sinner to separate themselves from that sin. If you kill the physical, they have died with their sin. You didn't love the sinner. You just hated the sin to the point of hating the sinner. You have separated the sinner from this world. And that's not what we're called to do, according to Christ. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Love. God's love establishes life and it preserve and he commands us to preserve that life. And how do I know that the alphabet community does not have uh, does not have uh, you know the image of God because they're identified according to their sexual immorality. 
And if they're identified in their sexual, well, here's a question. Oh, there can be believers in the alphabet community. Okay, well, if there are believers, why aren't they being identified in Christ rather than in their sin? I am a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Why is that not their identity? But why is their sin identity? Oh, the th every thief is created in the image of God. Well, then why are they being identified as thieves? And what do you mean by image? Are you talking about the physical? Are you talking about the spiritual? Spiritually dead. Physically flawed. The healthiest of people have their flaws. God is flawless. People change all the time. Physically, emotionally, mentally. God doesn't change. He is everlasting. Once he says something, it's done, it's final. How do we look like the image of God? Something that I heard. So besides the whole, we need to love this community. And here's the reason why, because 100% of them are made in the image of God. So far, I found absolutely no biblical evidence to back that up. What I have found, though, is that I've had an argument come against me saying that when we do unto the least of these, we've done unto God because the least of these are the image of God. Well, that idea comes from Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, it talks about the final judgment, starting in verse 31, going all the way through 46. Instead of reading the whole passage, I'm going to give that quote to you one more time. Matthew 25, 31 through 46, the final judgment. And the summary of this is that he separates the sheep and the goats. The sheep are his people, the ghosts, the goats, <laughs> ghosts, uh, the sheep are his people. The goats are the lost. The, these are not his people. He says to the sheep, you have fed me, you have clothed me, you've given me something to drink, visit me in prison. His people say, when have we done these things? He says, truly I say to you, verse 40, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then verse 41, he addresses the goats. 45, he says the exact opposite. Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. It sounds like when you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto Jesus because they carry his image. That's an easy answer right from the get-go. And maybe this is something that you've heard before. The problem is that there are people in the final judgment that will say that they have casted out demons in God's name. They will say that they have prophesied in his name. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven on that day Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And Jesus declared, no, you didn't. Now, that's actually not what it reads. In verse 23, Jesus does not deny their works. But in 23, he says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, you could say... That, oh, well, did they love their neighbor? They weren't doing unto the least of these. They were just, you know, prophesying. They were just, 
you know, casting out demons. And I was like, the core of the gospel, the core of your relationship with Christ is loving the least of these. But here's the thing is that these things are listed. Notice how he starts. These things are listed, first of all, the, the mighty works in his names. They're listed in the wonders that we would do as Christians. But notice how he starts this passage right here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. That's who's going to get in. It's doing God's will. Now you pop on over to John 14, verse 15 through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What does God command to do? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemy. It's all about love because love revolves around life. You can't have love if life is not involved. So in order to love the sinner, you have to invite that sinner to separate themselves from that sin. Because only when they separate from that which causes death, sin, that's the only time that they can invite life. I will ask my father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I love that from like, from the get go, before Jesus dies and rises, he was like, the spirit is around you. You know him because well, first of all, Jesus is one with the Spirit. So he's like, you know him. He dwells with you. And at some point, he's going to be in you. You are going to be the living temple of the living God. Oh, wow. That's awesome. But here in 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Not everyone who says to me on that day, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That judgment day, not only people's, not only Jesus will say, you haven't done unto the least of these, you haven't done unto me. I'll say, well, okay, but what about all the, the wonders that we've done? We've casted out demons in your name. We've prophesied in your name. He says, I never knew you. That may have happened, but it was a lie. Everything that happened, you thought that was happening from me. That was a grand deception from your adversary. That's just, that's a scary thing. That's a pretty scary thing. Now, how do you define doing unto the least of these? If they can prophesy, accurately prophesy and accurately cast out demons or, you know, be fooled by the charade, then when you do unto the least of these, is it not possible that when you do unto the least of these, that you're not doing unto God? Possible. I'm not contradicting scripture. I'm saying that when you do unto someone else, when you, you know, help somebody else, when you play that good person role, isn't it possible to be that good person without Jesus? If you can prophesy without Jesus, if you can cast out demons without Jesus, if that can be a whole charade, if that can all be faked, isn't it possible to care for another without Jesus? How scary is that? What's the defining factor here? Just to clarify, Lord, Lord, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will be saved. 
only those who do the will of my Father. And then we have another passage in Romans 10.13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Notice the difference, Lord, Lord versus name of the Lord. You have to have a personal relationship with God. Are you doing his commands? If you love me, you will obey my commands. You will preserve that life. How do we do unto God? How do we love God? We preserve the life that he has established because he says so. Not because any sinner is equal with God, but because he commands it. And his command is always, always good. So, do I love the alphabet community, the LGB plus community? Absolutely. It's because they're made in the image of God. Absolutely not. I'm not doing it because I'm submitting to them, because I'm submitting to the image that they bear of God. They are recognized. They identify themselves. They call others to identify themselves in their sexual immorality. One man, one woman. That's what God establishes. One man, one woman represents the covenant of God and the establishment of life. John 3.16, God's love establishes. This is the only structure that accurately represents God the way that he intended. Everything else, multiple partners, identifying as something that you are not born as. You're playing God and you're making up your own rules. Do I love this community? Absolutely. But I love them according to God's ruling, not theirs. I'm submitting to God's commands, not their image. And I recognize that their sin is hurting them. So I'm not going to attack them. I'm not going to add to that hurt, but I will invite them. Lives lost, that's something to be mourned. I mourn the lives that are lost. When a hate crime happens, especially when it's a hate crime, that's awful. Someone else's sin result, results in these sinners losing their lives. And they never got to see repentance. I know it's all part of God's plan, but I still feel a way about that. And I'm going to actively invite these people to turn away from their sexual immorality. Turn away because this is poison in your life. And you may believe that you're a part of the church, but red flag, why are you identifying in your sin? Red flag, why do you not look like the structure of marriage that God has established? All these red flags, why don't you perfectly line up with the Bible? Warning about false teachers. Beware of false teachers. You're going to think that you're in the group, in the Christian community, but you're not. Don't be fooled like the people that will call Lord, Lord. We have casted out demons in your name. We have prophesied. Doesn't matter how much quote unquote proof you have. Does it line up with scripture? Are you obeying because God has commanded you or are you submitting to the image of your neighbor? Be careful not to blaspheme when a tragedy happens. Your adversary will take that tragedy and he will use it to poison your spiritual. 
Hey, this is a perfect opportunity to sleep. You who is alive, perfect opportunity to go to sleep. Mimic the dead. Those who are spiritually alive are a bigger target by the adversary. Why? Because there's more to destroy. And the adversary is a slave to destruction. Don't let him twist anything. Don't let your sin nature twist anything. Don't use a tragedy to commit blasphemy, to commit more sin. Don't use it as an excuse. It's not. It's not a legit reason. It's not a good excuse. Stay in the word. Obey him because he said so, not because something else. Recognize first and foremost that it's God's command. Submit to him. And him alone. Be encouraged. And fight back against tragedies like this. The only way that you're going to fight back is to take God's command and bring it to the people around you. That's the only way. So get excited. Get fierce with your love. Stand your ground, the solid rock. Now and always. He is the cornerstone, the rock of ages. Stand your ground and still Love. Don't look for excuses. Oh, why do I love my neighbor? Because he said so. That's first and foremost. Because the Good Samaritan did it. You're preserving not only their physical life, but their spiritual life. And as long as you encourage sin, you are not loving. As long as you accept sin, you are not loving because sin destroys. Sin steals life. Only inviting people away from their sin is love. As long as you accept people for who they are, you are not loving because you're accepting the poison that is killing them. Stay fierce, stay strong, stay solid on the rock. Stay in the word. The living word is revealed by the written word. The word is alive. We have the written word to point us to the living word, to learn about the living word. He is here. He is with me. Stay in the spirit. The spirit dwells within for the believer of Jesus Christ. You are the living temple of the living God, and the spirit will reveal the spiritual depths of scripture. He will reveal to you who Jesus actually is, but you got to submit. You got to surrender. Obey the commands by surrender of the Holy Spirit. He is your helper. He is truth. Recognize how truly and richly blessed you are. Do not mimic the dead. Do not return to your sin like a dog returning to his vomit. Do not sit in the vomit of your neighbors. Do not accept that which poisons around, but rather stay in the word, stay in the spirit. And as you invite others to join you, stay blessed.